You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, high-revenue-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Aisha Chidole, founder and CEO of the Chidole Law Firm. The Chidole Law Firm is based in Florida and focuses on business and intellectual property law. Welcome, Aisha. I'm so pleased you're here with us on the Solo to CEO podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me today. So tell us how you got started in the practice of law. Oh, okay. So, you know, as you said, you know, um, I have a law firm um, here in Florida. Um, So my story never started that way. And I never intended to actually own my own law firm. So I went to law school, essentially, to go work for somebody else. And, you know, I ended up working, you know, on Wall Street doing securities M&A, you know, for a couple of years. And, you know, while going through that process, it really wasn't what I expected, you know, when I came out of law school and, you know, the impact that I thought I would have on people, you know, I didn't have that impact because you were doing it at such a large scale that corporations don't really care about me or, you know, what I'm doing for them. When I say corporations, I mean super mega, you know, companies. Um, So I was really burnt out. And, you know, I decided that I wanted to take a break from law. Um, And so, the process of taking a break from law, um, we moved, my, when I say we, myself and I moved to Florida, and I decided, you know, let me go on the human resource route, you know, I like to interact with people and communicate with people, you know, and, you know, I have a degree in human resources management, so I can really, um, you know, get down to the nitty gritty with people. And, you know, while I was doing that, um, I, I enjoyed doing it and I enjoyed doing the labor and employment part of the human resources, but really what the catalyst was that led to me starting my own firm was an incident, you know, in my mom's um, own business, you know, my mom is a very successful business owner and, you know, all her life or all my life, you know, I've known her as a successful business owner and, you know, she made like some really um, big mistakes that could have basically wiped out her entire business. And I remember getting a call from her here in Florida, like, oh my goodness, I need help. I need to fix this. So, you know, fix that. And, you know, it was a very stressful time, but, you know, we're able to recover all, you know, the funds and, you know, the things that um, she made a wrong investment in and in the business and, you know, go through the whole lawsuit and process and recover her money. And, you know, when I did that for her, um, I just thought to myself, there's so many people like my mom who, you know, on, on paper, they're very successful business women or businessmen, but they're not taking the proper legal steps or they're not contacting legal counsel until they're in the situation which she was in. So why don't I help people? you know, from the beginning of their business or while their business is not yet in trouble to keep them on that same path. And that really was the light bulb for me. And so it meant that I had to take the Florida bar again, um, since I already had the New York bar. And so I took the Florida bar and 
once I passed my exam, that's when I hung up my shingle and started um, the firm. Yeah, I remember when you and I met that you had it was you had such an interesting story because uh, I knew that you had worked on Wall Street and mm-hmm. had had years of experience as a lawyer. And you and I met here in Florida, and uh, yeah. you had just become a lawyer here in Florida. And I knew that you worked in human resources, and I thought, what an interesting uh, amalgamation <laughs> experience that you had, and mm-hmm. what a benefit to uh, work with business owners, small business owners, and to help them with their uh, businesses. And so give us, talk to us about uh, the the Jadule Law Firm and what you, the type of services that you provide and how you serve your clients. Okay. So, you know, um, so I have, I offer, when I, when I say I'm a business attorney, I like to also lump in intellectual property into it. The reason being is that most businesses need to protect their intellectual property. So most times it's hand in hand. And I also do immigration. So let me first start with the business. So with businesses, um, I help business owners from startups from when it's an idea to when you're thriving. And when it's an idea, you know, I like to help um, businesses by helping them, counseling them and creating the right entity for them. So if somebody came to me and said, you know, I want to form an LLC, I'm not just going to form an LLC. I'm going to want to understand what their plans for their business are, what the future growth for their business is. You know, do you have a good or a service that you eventually want to get investors? Do you want to get venture capitalists? Do you eventually want to sell off the business? Because the answers to that is what's going to really determine the kind of entity you should be, not just... Oh, you know, I looked on Google and they said I should be an S-Corp or an LLC. So, you know, I really take, and that's why I pull in from my, you know, human resource background where, you know, I say like I, I enjoy interacting with my clients and really understanding and being a part of that growth, you know, so that's something that I like to bring to the table. And then when I have thriving businesses, you know, most of the counseling that we're doing, you know, are related to either you know, agreements or contracts that they're entering into or, you know, their employees and, you know, whether their employees are being, you know, designated properly as exempt or non-exempt employees or, you know, their handbooks and making sure that their handbooks are, you know, legally compliant and you have things there that you should and things that you shouldn't have are taken out. And then a lot of times with the businesses that are thriving, some of them start to think about, you know, franchising their businesses or, you know, getting into licensing agreements. And, you know, when you want to do those things, you know, if you haven't up until that point handled your intellectual property, you want to make sure that, you know, your business is trademarked. You want to make sure that if you have, you know, high level employees that you're, they, that they understand that whatever work they're doing is the intellectual property and the trade secret of the business. So, you know, a lot of times with smaller businesses, what I've observed is that they share too much. Basically, they basically give, you know, those um, employees everything that they need to take that business and go um, start a competing business, you know, against them without really um, legally safeguarding themselves. So those are some of the things that, you know, I look, I look for and, you know, I counsel my clients on saying, you know, I know you feel like this person has been with you for X amount of years, but when there's conflict, people don't think that way. They just go and do what they need to do. So, 
So that's what I do from a business and intellectual property side. Um, and then, you know, with immigration, obviously, you know, the way um, the United States is now, and it's, you know, it's very difficult, like things where you would get approved easier because, you know, you've provided everything is just a much more tasking journey. You know, I'm a first generation immigrant myself, so I'm able to put myself in the same position as the clients who I serve. You know, and a lot of immigrants um, who come, you know, for either family immigration, which is, you know, they're getting married or, you know, for their parents or for their children or business immigration don't really understand the immigration process, you know, other than just surface thoughts. They don't understand the nitty gritty and the intimate details of supporting documentations they need to have, you know, so one of the things that I do is, you know, I counsel them, you know, on that, you know, um, and explain the process to them because a lot of them don't, don't know or are so terrified of, you know, let's say they're permanent residents, you know, of living, you know, living, leaving the country because they don't know if they're going to be allowed to come back. So, you know, so I, I guess my unique approach is that I really, consider myself to be a counselor to my clients, you know, so I don't want to ever be somebody who is just a transactional work, you know, you give me a job to do and here's your document, here you go. You know, I want my clients to feel like they can ask me questions and come to me and I can guide them towards the right answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this, what I, I remember back when, uh, when I was, when I had my practice and I was doing, um, when I was counseling small businesses and one of the challenges is, is oftentimes small business owners uh, don't think they need a lawyer until they have a litigation issue until Mm -hmm. there's a lawsuit. And what, so what would you say to, how do you, what advice do you have for small business owners? And, and uh, I know as attorneys, we know that, that that they need that small business owners need lawyers for a whole lot of reasons before them. But most small business owners think I'm on a budget and I can't afford an mm-hmm. attorney for you know for these things, and I can do things myself. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the things that a small business owner might need an attorney for. Uh, long before and hopefully to avoid hopefully they never needed a lawyer for litigation and especially if they hire a lawyer for other Mm -hmm. reasons they might never need one and let's talk about some of the things they might need a lawyer for first and why they would need a lawyer and for it and how they can you know how that would benefit them okay so um i have to always use this phrase you know of penny wise pound foolish so Mm -hmm. You know, most businesses, you know, um, when they're starting, they allocate budgets for different things, you know, based on what they think is important or not important. And, you know, outside of me being a lawyer, you know, let me step outside of being a lawyer. Your budget should always include a lawyer when you start out your business, because the first thing that should happen when you're starting a business is business planning. Business planning means you need to be able to know, like one of the things I talked about earlier, what the right entity for your business is or the type of business you have and how 
is going to affect you moving forward or growing the business, both from a sales perspective, if you want to sell the business, from a partnership perspective, and also from a tax perspective, whether it's more beneficial for you to be an S-Corp or a C-Corp and the requirements, because sometimes some people go and they find an S-Corp. And then they bring in a partner that's a corporation, for instance. And I'm like, you can't be an S-Corp and have a partner that's an organization. Or sometimes some people go to LegalZoom and say, you know what? Um, I'm just going to give um, LegalZoom, to, um, ask them to set up my entity. Let them set up my corporation. And then you go and let's say you go on LegalZoom and they set up your corporation. LegalZoom is not going to counsel you on what you need to do to make sure your corporation is right so that when you need to um, sell um, or give somebody a shareholder, um, make somebody a shareholder in the future, you do it. So let's say LegalZoom forms that corporation for you and you only have one share and then your company grows bigger. Um, and this is a real life example. And then let's say your company grows bigger and you want to, um, you know, have, i.e. like um, employee stock benefits or you want to give some shares. And you only have one share in the company. There's only one share in the company. LegalZoom doesn't care. All they care is that that's what you ask for and that's what they're going to give you. So that's the reason why when you're starting your business, you need that. And then the same thing, when you are already in a thriving business and you haven't contacted legal counsel already, you need a business audit. You need to know, do, we, do you have any unwritten contracts that you could be liable for that, you know, somebody you implied? Do you have any written contracts that need to be readjusted? Do you have leases that put you in great penalties that you don't know about? And then, you know, of course, one that we see very common, which leads to litigation, is when you have a partner. You know, you know a lot of times people come, you know, based on two people excited, you know, we have a great business idea and, you know, we're just going to work off of our goodwill. We don't need an operating agreement. We'll figure it out or we'll just get pull up a document online, but they don't really understand what they're agreeing to. They don't really understand how to, uh, you know, whatever they invest in the business, how it affects their capital accounts. They don't really discuss in, you know, in their agreement whether or not they're going to be allowed to compete and start their own other businesses or not start their own other businesses. And all those things usually come to a head when they disagree and then it's time to file a lawsuit. But if they took the time to just go to an attorney in the beginning to get their documents in order, it will cost them way less than when, you know, they have an issue at that point, way, way less, by the way. And so that's why I always use the saying of penny wise, pound foolish. So yes, you know, don't be, you know, a spendthrift when you start a new business, you have to allocate your budget wisely. But, you know, I think that every new business owner needs an attorney, legal counsel, and a business coach or mentor or somebody basically to steer you in the right direction. You know, so um, that's what I would say. Right. Right. And those, and you also, you know, that's an expense then that you can write off too. legal, legal fees. <laughs> exactly. It is an expense you can write off. <laughs> um, so talk, talk to us about some of the other common mistakes that you see business owners make? I know you've been doing this for quite a while now and you've probably got some stories there uh, of uh, some situations that you've seen that, yeah. you know, obviously you don't want to, you don't want to disclose any sort of uh, identifying details of any clients, but I'm sure you've got some 
common mistakes that you've seen have come up over and over yeah. in minds? Yeah. So oh, a lot of times, you know, you see, for instance, oh, the, the biggest mistake is basically trying to do it yourself. That's number one, because there's always a mistake when you try to do it yourself. Another um, common mistake is in the area of trademarks. You know, you see a lot of mistakes there and then they come to you to try and clean it up when they've already put themselves so far off. So a lot of times people think, you know, I'm going to go read the tutorial on the trademark, um, you know, website and figure out how to file it. And then, you know, by the time they get the rejection, you know, with a notice to respond to the rejection, that's when they come to you. And by that time, there's just so much wrong with the application that sometimes you're better off starting all over again and paying money again. So that's another area where they lose money or when people think that because they're a small business, so um, they don't need to protect their intellectual property. And to me, you're better off protecting your intellectual property as a smaller business than when, you, when it becomes much bigger and there's so much more to lose. Because if you don't protect your intellectual property, let's say you have a business name or a catchy slogan, and you know, your little local community, you're getting popular, and a bigger giant comes, they can easily bully you and ask you to stop, you know, using the name, right? But if mm -hmm. you start, if, if from the get-go you protected your intellectual property, what you have is your registration and your certificate, and you know that you can fight them down because it is your intellectual property and you are the rightful owner. And also it becomes a leverage and a bargaining tool where you can then, you know, say, you know, if you want me to stop this, then pay me and I'll change my name because... You have the trump card. So um, that's one of the common mistakes that people make there. And, um, you know, with, with immigration, you know, one of the common mistakes that people make, especially in um, naturalization issues or, you know, citizenship issues or, you know, when people get married is that, you know, it, it relates more to like your supporting documentation and not making sure that, you know, they um, have all that's required um, on the interview date or when they're putting in the application or knowing the deadlines, you know, you know, people think, well, we, we're just going to do it half and half and, you know, everything will just work out or they won't notice, but, you know, they will notice and, you know, these things will get rejected. So I think it's just really um, important for people to get some sort of legal counseling you know, going into it. So at least they can avoid those mistakes that are going to become costly, you know, in the long run. Let's talk about um, copyrights a little bit, because I think that, you know, there's so much, uh, people now are creating so much content for mm -hmm. their, um, for their businesses with using content marketing, uh, with creating videos and creating blogs and uh you know memes and all kinds of all kinds of things that they're sharing on social media whether that's youtube or facebook or instagram or whatever um mm -hmm. and whatever their favorite media is and they're creating all kinds of content and and of course we're living in this shareable world you're wanting your content to go viral right you're wanting your content mm -hmm. to be shared but how do you protect your content in a way that you get 
credit for it as the author of the content. How do you protect your photographs, your copy? You know, I've had an experience, for instance, where I've seen people um, take uh, blogs. I mean, when I was first started out uh, blogging years ago, I had somebody, you know, uh, take my blog and almost was almost identical and they switched out the picture and, you know, and mm-hmm. what do you do to protect yourself in that protect kind of situation? Them. How do you protect your, your intellectual property in the online wild west out there? <laughs> so, you know, definitely, you know, the online web has taken a life of its own and it is much more difficult to police and protect copyright but it's able to be done and it's doable. So with copyrights, you know, first of all, you know, most, you know, as you know, once it's gotten out of your head and it's being put in a tangible medium, you automatically have um, common law um, copyright protection. Mm-hmm. Now, if you find people um, using your product, there's something called a DM, uh, your product, your, 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 you know, your blog, your pictures, you know, and all of that. So there's something called a DMCA takedown notice. And so what I always advise every client is that you go directly to the website um, um, provider. So if it's in WordPress, if it's on Instagram, you go directly to Instagram. If it's on Facebook, you go directly to Facebook. And if you feel somebody is, you know, infringing on your copyright, you know, you um, have the option in most of these um, websites, you know, there's usually um, a link where you can contact legal and it specifically says, you know, if you feel like somebody's um, um, violating your copyright, send us an email here. And they are required to take it down while they do investigation to make sure that it's not infringing on your copyright. So that's one of the things that, you know, you can do once you find any platform online that is somebody's, you know, sharing your information without giving you credit. Now, if somebody is blatantly using your stuff to make money, so let's say, I don't know, you have um, something like a copyright that they're using to make money and you want to, let's say you have an image and they're selling the image, you know, one of the things, the best ways for you to um, not only get them to stop, but to get back um, the financial um, benefits that they've made from infringing on your copyright is to register your copyright. So while, you know, you know, by default, everybody has, you know, common law copyright of stuff that originated from you and that you've put in a tangible medium, it's very hard to calculate damages or to get any damages until you register the copyright. The copyright process is not as lengthy as a trademark process. You know, it's less expensive and it's super quick. You know, just get your um, stuff um, copyrighted, um, your copyright registered, and then once you have it registered, you can just send them a cease and desist and demand, you know, the amount of money that you feel that you've lost because they're using your stuff. Um, That's one of the other um, efficient ways of, you know, stopping it. But to some extent, you know, the, the, the more people share your stuff, the harder it is going to be to police everything. So um, it just really depends on, you know, how willing you as a copyright owner is to protect your copyright, you know, and how proactive you are. If you're notorious for protecting your copyright, there are going to be less people inclined to use it. I mean, you know, let me use Girl Scout 
for example, Girl Scout is notorious about protecting their intellectual property. Like they take down people's stuff on Etsy all the time. And so, you know, a lot of times people, and same thing I think with Disney as well. So you just really have to be proactive, you know, and I always say to people, it might be harder with copyright, but like with trademark, I always say to people, there's a Google, um, I don't know if it's called, it's a Google Names or Google something, which I don't remember right now, that allows you to put your name or like your slogan in there so that anytime it comes up, you know, you get basically a notice and that's a good way to also police and see, you know, if people are infringing on, you know, your intellectual property. And and I guess they're, they're also, I guess that's why you have, uh, you know, on social sites like Facebook, there are so many terms um, yeah. And in terms of conditions, when you use the sites too, where Absolutely. you're basically foregoing your rights, you just don't realize it if you don't read the terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those we little copyright notices yeah. that float around <laughs> on Facebook, they don't really do us any good today. <laughs> yeah. But, but Facebook will honor a DMCA takedown notice, which is basically, it's just the Digital Millennium Copyright Act which basically says if you come to, you know, a a, a website server and demand that, you know, they take down this content and do some investigation because they're infringing on your right, that they will at least take it down while they do the investigation. And usually by then the, the, the infringer doesn't want any trouble. And so they just take it down, which is, it's usually, it's, it's quite effective actually. So, okay. um, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Aisha, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and uh, I want to talk about your business and your experience as um, a solo on this solo to CEO journey and what it has been like for you and um and maybe some of the challenges you've had some of the lessons that you've learned and uh you know some of the things that you can share for with with others who might be on the journey uh, maybe a little bit behind you on the journey and maybe we can make their path a little bit easier by some of the things that you can share. (laughs) So so tell us, tell us a little bit about your story uh, with being, you know, starting your, starting your practice and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some of the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome them. Okay. So I think that, you know, for me, um, one of the things that I struggled with in the beginning, especially starting a law practice here in Florida, was being on a solo island, you know, in every aspect. I didn't have a network of friends, a network of business people I knew. You know, I went to school in D.C. I worked, you know, in New York City. So I came here really knowing no one. And so, you know, I felt like I was on on an island myself. And so one of the things that I did aggressively in my first two years was I went to every um, networking event that I could go to related to either my practice area or where my potential um, client demographic would be, you know, and I also tried to, um, create relationships and connections with other um, attorneys in the area. You know, I joined um, various like um, um, 
groups on Facebook um, with lawyers and, you know, I would send out emails saying I would love to connect with you. Let's go to lunch. You know, let's talk about the business, you know, and even, you know, even meeting you. You know, I went to, you know, your other, um, you remember the first um, conference I went to where you talked about just, you know, um, um, I think with social media in general and email marketing. And, you know, even that, those connections that I met then, I, I'm still connected and friends with those people that I met then. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, um, helps me to sort of um, start to feel confident, you know, in my ability and to know that there are other people who um, are doing the same things that I am and dealing with the same struggles as I am, which is being on an island by yourself and not really having a coworker next door to go knock on their door and just brainstorm. And so one of the things, though, that I got out of all this networking is that I was able to build um, a connection with a handful um, of ladies, or less than a handful, maybe about three, uh, three of us, um, and we created a mastermind group. We all practice the same thing. So we all deal with the same struggles. We're all small business owners on the path to CEO sheep dumb. And so we, you know, they are like my coworkers, you know. So even though we all live, you know, you know, two hours, one hour away from each other, like you know, we have those mastermind networking meetings biweekly, you know, to talk about what our challenges are and what goals to set for ourselves, um, you know, for the next um, coming week. And so my advice, you know, to people who are coming up is that you need to find your tribe. I know tribe is, you know, very overused right now, but um, you need to find a core group of people who have the same path as you and are on the same ambition wavelength as you because that's another challenge I would say um, that I struggled with where you know I consider myself to be a very ambitious person and you know I have set high goals for myself and so it's not everybody that has that same goal and so sometimes some people will try to project their own own insecurity of what you can accomplish on you. So you want to definitely stay away from those people that make you believe that you cannot reach those goals. You want to be around people who know you can reach those goals, who want to go on that same journey um, with you. So that's what I would say. And then the other big challenge that I have to overcome or figure out a way to handle it is, you know, for me um, as a female, being a, um, as a spouse and a mother, you know, I have very um, small children. And so, you know, obviously when you're starting a new business, you need to be out and about, you know, going to network, you know, finding a way to balance. And um, so when I first started, I was doing a lot of that. And one day my daughter was asked, one of my daughters, you know, who's eight was asked, you know, in her Girl Scout meeting, well, what, what is your mom, you know, they're asking what their parents were good at. And I said, what is your mom good at? And she said, my mom is good at working. So, you know, I felt sad that she said that. I mean, I want her to know that I'm a very, um, you know, powerful and successful career woman, but I don't want that to be her only impression of me that all I do is work. So mm -hmm. I have to find a balance, which basically was that, you know what, I'm going to work, you know, 70% of the time in the office and 30% of the time virtually so that I could have time to go pick up my children, do their homework with them, finish up with what I'm doing with them, and then continue whatever work that I need to do. 
So what I did was, you know, I started scheduling like all my meetings earlier in the day so that I could have those two hour window or three hour window with my kids, not just bedtime, you know, with them, you know, just so that I could, you know, still pursue what it is that I want to, but at the same time, be present for my kids. And, you know, that's a struggle that, you know, maybe not everybody will go through, but, you know, for those who have kids, you know, it's doable. It's definitely doable. It's just finding um, a way to balance it out. And, you know, now in the age of technology, a lot of things, you know, can be done, you know, online, you know, or via phone where you don't have to necessarily be in one location. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I do think a lot of, there are a lot of, uh, people, especially a lot of women who are still balancing that, you know, motherhood, mother of young children and, you know, career, career. you know, trying to find that balance because they want to be there for their kids and they, but they still want to have the career and how do they find the balance? And, and, and technology is a little bit of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it allows us the freedom. And then on the other hand, it also can keep us working 24 seven. So you do have to, you do have to get it. You know, you do also have to set limits and say, just yeah. because I can, doesn't mean that I will, or doesn't mean that I exactly. should. So, exactly. you know, you still have to say, yeah, I know that the, I know that I have the ability to go email at two in the morning, but <laughs> you know, I also have to sleep as well. So, exactly. uh, but, but I do love that you have found a way to make it work for you f- to be able to spend time with them. That's wonderful. Uh, and I know that they're, I know that they're little fish, they're little swimmers. So you get to be there for <laughs> all their are. swim meets and I get to see all the pictures of I'm the swim there. meet. <laughs> I'm there uh, for everything because I know how important it is, you know, when they grow up to be able to say, oh, you know, our mom made it work. Like she came to all our meets. And yet she continued to work. And I have only daughters. So I want to be able to set the same example that my mother um, set. My mom worked, you know, her entire life and still works. So, you know, and I think that's part of why, you know, I'm the way that I am. And I want my kids to know that they should be able to balance and have what it is that they desire, regardless of whether they're females or, you know, males. Mm -hmm. That's terrific. That's terrific advice. I love it. So, so tell us, well, let me ask you, is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up here? Any other last well, sort of things? Okay. So I think my last thing is one piece of advice that I'll give, you know, people starting out, you know, in the business for themselves is have a plan and don't be lazy, you know? And when I say don't be lazy, I think that a lot of times we see somebody else somebody else's success and say, oh, this is what she's doing. I can do that. I'm going to do it. But don't have any idea of the work that they're doing behind the scenes to reach that level of success. And when they start doing the business, they realize, oh my goodness, I can't do it. And which is why we have such a, you know, high rate of businesses, you know, shutting down, you know, before the 50th of March. So, my advice is have a plan, have a plan. Don't be lazy. Just keep moving. You know, it's not going to be, you know, a straight path. You know, you're going to have your ebbs and flows and you're going to have feast and famine, but you just have to persevere and go through those tides. 
Oh, that is that is wonderful advice right there. That's a gold nugget right there because uh, <laughs> that so many people see, you know, we see things on social media particularly now. And with social media, we see <laughs> things a lot differently than we used to see things because we, it's always in our face every day. And people have, a, people project onto mm-hmm. social media, you know, their own stuff. And they look mm-hmm. at it and they go, this is what this person is, this is what's happening in this person's life. But what you see on social media is only a highlight reel. It's only part of it. You, don't highlight, know, yeah. you do not know what is going on behind the scenes in somebody <laughs> else's life just because something is on there. In fact, things that you see on social media may have been scheduled weeks ago. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? It may have been, there may be, you know, photo shoots and graphic designers and things scheduled weeks ago. You never know what's going on. You never with, know. You with never that know. Recycled content. I mean, there's all kinds <laughs> of things that happening yeah. there, right? All kinds of magic could be happening that you don't even know what's happening. So you can never judge by what you see on social media, what's Absolutely. happening behind the scenes. So don't, what, what are the three mental toxins? Comparison, critique, and conformity. Mm-hmm. Comparison, critique, and conformity. Um, I like that. Yeah. So, all right. So, tell us how we can find you on the interwebs. Okay. So, you can find me by going to www.chidolelaw.com. So, that's the www.chidolelaw.com. Dot com. And you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram at Chidoe Law on both of them. I'm pretty active and I would love to make some new friends. And I would just say this. One of the things that I absolutely love about your social media is, uh, and I follow, is I love your videos. You do a lot of videos <laughs> and they're very informative. You. And you have this amazing, you always wear this beautiful lipstick. And <laughs> I have lipstick in me. And you, of course, you give great information as well. But I, uh, I love to watch your videos. So if anybody wants to see how to do amazing um, videos, then you need to watch. You definitely need to follow her and watch her video. So thank you so much thank you. for being here. I really appreciate it. And I've, had, I've enjoyed chatting with you this morning. Thank you. I love this too. The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D. Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high-impact, high-revenue-generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solotoceo.biz webinar.